0: This week on Right Now, I'm joined by funeral director John O'Looney. He tells us about what he's been seeing in his funeral home over the last few months. It's an explosive conversation. To watch the full interview and all our other guests, such as David Icke, climate expert Professor Nir Shaviv, plus Naz and Vicky from the BBC's hit piece documentary Unvaccinated, simply click onto iconic.com and start a free seven-day trial. Hello and welcome to Right Now. The naked and confused Emperor Joe Biden has gone down with the vid again. I hope he's got one of those loyalty cards. Because if he tests positive again, he's eligible for a free wedge salad at Wendy's. Labour Party leader Keir Starmer, he completed his a while ago, but the restaurant was closed before he could get his welder's mask off. Poor bloke. It feels like someone wants Biden out of the way and off of our TV screens. And I'm not surprised, to be honest. Every time I see him speak, it normally ends with me looking around the room going... What have I just watched? In a speech this week, he looked like someone who was being used as a ventriloquist dummy, but without having given consent or having even been forewarned that there was an arm about to go up him. The average person blinks between 15 and 20 times a minute. Joe managed six blinks in the full 11-minute speech. I'm getting dry eyes just thinking about that. Some people have claimed the video is a deep fake and it may well be. The text certainly exists. And it's said that one glaring flaw of deepfakes is the lack of blinking. But I don't know or claim to. I also don't care, to be honest. Joe may as well be a computer generation anyway. He's not reading his own words. He's not promoting his own policies or running the country in any way whatsoever. In fact, I don't really know what Joe Biden is, and I doubt Joe does either. Something almost sad about it, really, because it feels intentional. There's 330 million people in America. I'm sure they could have found anyone to sit in the role of president, take a nice paycheck, decent book deal at the end of it, and simply do as they're told for the four or eight years that they're required to fill that seat. But by having someone who's so clearly in mental and physical decline, it almost feels like trolling. It's stripping America and its people of their dignity and self-respect. It's just a thought. On the show this week we're joined by British funeral director John O'Looney. We'll be talking to Vicky and Naz of BBC Unvaccinated fame and my dad David Icke will be in the studio to talk about his brand new book The Trap. In July 2021 we spoke to British funeral director John O'Looney. He told us about what he was seeing in his funeral home in terms of the elderly being killed using the end-of-life drug midazolam but also a huge uptick in deaths post vaccination what john has seen since has simply gotten worse and worse with younger and younger people ending up in his care john welcome to right now it's great to see you looking well after what was a bit of a scare really could could you tell us about about you falling ill
1: well it's very interesting because i'd spent two years um washing and dressing people labeled with covid um some of them who uh processed so swiftly through the system um, they were still warm when i picked them up so i don't doubt if they were um, re- deadly infection on them you know i would have got it because i never wore a mask and, and i'm i would never ever allow uh, a uh, you know a gene therapy in my body the alleged protection so i was contacted um, by a number of people over the last couple of years since going uh, for, for very openly vocal and telling the truth and one of those was um a guy from British Intelligence. Um, I spent about 40 minutes having a a chat to him. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to name him. But um, one of the things he said that um, stuck with me was that I would be targeted. And lo and behold, a few weeks later, I mysteriously fell ill. So I was a little bit short of breath, um, which is, you know, it, it didn't feel like an illness. It felt very unnatural. I felt like I'd either been burnt, or poisoned um but anyway my sats were getting lower and lower and i'm in contact i'm very fortunate to have a large circle of medically trained doctors who are, are i'm in contact with constantly you know they're all very awake they're all very outraged um, and, you know, I'm very lucky to have their support. Uh, an ambulance was called by one of them for me. The ambulance arrived and, it, and, and what happened was very interesting. So I've had a number of people that have reached out to me who have said that they've been um, berated and attacked by ambulance staff who have clearly checked their vaccination status um, before arriving to their address or their, their you know, the, the place they've been called to, and I had exactly the same, um, same experience. So, three people attended. Two of them were big lads, paramedic lads, uh, you know, a driver and as assistant. Uh, and they were big because ultimately, quite often, you know, you have to physically carry people. And I'd hasten to add, these two guys were lovely. They weren't judgmental. They were great. There was a little uh, paramedic woman with them though, who was very. Um, Bordering sadistic. She was quite berating me, telling me how selfish I was and how stupid and and uh, on and on and on and on. And I tried to explain to her, look, I'm a funeral director and what I've seen um, is probably similar to what 130,000 of your NHS staff have seen who'd rather you lose their careers than take the protection. And, and then she shut up. But it, it was clearly um, orchestrated for her to attack, you know, um, to try and, I, I suppose, intimidate me into agreeing to be jabbed perhaps at a later date or something, you know, uh, but it was never going to happen. So I went into hospital and went to triage. Um, uh, I had to go on oxygen because my sats were low. And uh, the triage nurses or the nurse that was in there was lovely, bless her. She took three uh, lateral flow tests, uh, which uh, I had no choice but to do really because, you know, I couldn't breathe. They were all negative. They all came through negative. I lay, I was the only one in there in the whole triage but it was empty despite the fact that they're overwhelmed you know um so so she put these lateral flow test in the machine it all three came out negative and she said to me you haven't got covid but however they saw fit to transfer me to a covid ward i was on the covid ward with two other guys uh, it was a four bedroom one bed was empty next to me the two guys were opposite me um, the following morning uh, a consultant came round and he sat on the end of the bed and he said to me he led in with a classic world economic forum life you know we're going to save your life i'm here to save your life and i said oh okay how are you going to do that and he proceeded to tell me how he was going to treat me for covid and i kind of said to him you know have you not looked at my notes i haven't got covid i've had three of your tests and oh but we want to be sure and uh, we're going to start you on remdesivir and i said no you're not Uh, and he kind of said well why and i said well and i was lucky that i took a mobile phone in with me and had access to the internet because i kind of said well let's have a look side effects of remdesivir And you tell me what the clinical benefits are to a respiratory patient. Um, Oh, look, difficulty breathing, kidney function, liver function, high blood pressure. How is that going to help me as a respiratory patient? And he just walked away. He he said, I'm I'm doing what I'm told. So... so. and i never saw that consultant again you know so, so later on in the day i had a young girl i say young she was about 35 40 she sat on the end of the bed and she introduced herself i can't remember her name but she was um, quite unnerving because she couldn't look at me in the eyes at all the whole conversation so she was like that, talking to me like that, looking at the floor and the ceiling, you know, because she knew what she was doing was bloody wrong. So, so she said to me, um, I'm here to save your life. I shit you not. That was the first line she came out with. So I said, well, what do you mean? Um, she said, well, we're going to you know, save you from code. I said, but have you not looked at my notes? And, and, you know, and then she proceeded to offer me two drugs. One was called Toxilizumab and the other one was called Baracitnib. And again, um, I asked her to spell them and I said, well, let's have a look uh, at these and the side effects um it's there on google google um uh, uh side effects of remdesivir side effects of baricitinib side effect, uh, effects of toxilizumab they all got more or less identical side effects difficulty breathing wheezing and chest tightness kidney function liver function how does anyone in their right mind believe that these are going to be beneficial to a respiratory patient is it any wonder these patients are dying from the very protocols the government have enforced on the hospitals. That's so hilarious. I kind of said to her, well, I said to her, I said, you tell me. Uh, oh, and she asked me to sign a waiver to agree to uh, before they give me them. You know, why would you need to sign a waiver for life saving medicine? Come on, you know. So, so again, I kind of declined and she scuttled away like a rat. You know, oh, I'll, I'll pop back tomorrow. Um, no, don't bother because I'm not going to change my mind. I'd rather die. Um, and lo and behold, um, I survived, you know. So, so it became very apparent to me that I had to get out of the hospital um, quicker, quick, because um, it was quite obvious to me. I felt that they were trying to, um, uh, 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 they wanted the death of a prominent anti-vaxxer yeah. from COVID. That's what they wanted. And they were prepared to go to um, fairly um, sadistic lengths to do that, you know? Uh, and uh, that's what they wanted, and they never got it. So I decided to discharge myself. I'm very fortunate, again, that I've got support that these poor souls that are in there I haven't got, you know? Uh, and um, uh, uh, Mark Sexton came and got me, uh, and uh, he was supported by D- Dr. David, um, who agreed to be my medical, um, you know, c- kind of support. Uh, uh advocate if you he like sign you off uh, basically yeah basically yeah. so then began a three-hour battle they detained me against my will and wouldn't let me leave they called security um who threatened to have me arrested if i left the ward and i kind of said to them look no disrespect um and, and to be honest with you whatever they got me with they didn't quite get me good enough because i had too much fight left in me you know and they thought oh, i was going to buckle and it was going to frighten me and i was going to have the medicine uh, and i wasn't you know i watched the two guys opposite me who'd signed the waivers and they were in a right state you know they were uh, they were even talking to me in the ambulance on the way to the hospital trying to persuade me to agree to have ventilation when i got to hospital you know when you're like what is the matter with you you know don't you realize that's going to damage my lungs um, and they didn't care there's clearly the financial incentives for putting people on ventilation, must be significant, that's all I can say. As must be the thing, if
0: if, if you know, and I know, and neither of us are medical doctors, that that the ventilation is gonna damage your lungs, there's no way the paramedic
1: doesn't know that. No, but the trouble is, is, is most people come home from work, they're interested in Netflix and TikTok and Facebook, you know, they, they don't look into it any deeper, so they don't realize the consequences. People go into a hospital, and we're living in... Uh, in 2022, we're living in a world where it, everything we trusted in was normal has suddenly become inverted. So the people that we thought we could trust the most to look after us and protect us, police officers, doctors, nurses, are probably amongst the most dangerous uh, people there are at the moment. And it really, really pains me to say that, but that's how I genuinely feel in my gut. Um, as a funeral director who tried to report a crime to Milton Keynes police and was just basically ignored. I've got an incident number. I attended the police station in Milton Keynes on uh, April 28th uh, and um, I think my sound's going to go shortly. That's bizarre. Um, uh, uh, And I got an incident number 1062 and uh, you know, it, it, they never, ever uh, listened to what never, I had to say. Never got in touch, yeah. No, never about, got in
0: touch. When we spoke before, we spoke in July 2021, um, and you were talking about the fact that people post-vaccination were obviously coming in and you were seeing people getting younger. I've seen podcasts since that you've done and interviews where, you know, people are getting younger and younger. And, and there was one where you were showing what was coming out of, of people that were, that were deceased. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: how insane has it got now, John?
1: Well, uh, to put it into context, I mean, I'm only a small funeral director. When I worked for co funeral care, I did nearly 10 years with them, and I could count the amount of people under 40 that we looked after, usually on one hand um, in a 12-month period. It was usually a RTA, a road traffic accident, or a very, very rare cancer or you know or or comorbidity like they were morbidly obese for example Uh, there just wasn't any amount of people under 40. I've looked after more people under 40 in the last 18 months than I have in the previous 10 years uh, to give you an idea. Now to give you an example we've uh, we see 130,000 NHS staff approximately who'd rather lose their careers and take the protection to the point the government had to backtrack. Um, I would suggest it did that for one of two reasons. Number one, the NHS would have collapsed and number two, they would have had 130,000 prime witnesses all telling the truth about what's going on in British hospitals. It's that simple. 100%. I've got no doubt in my mind and I've had dozens and dozens of them reach out to me. I speak to dozens and dozens of doctors. The GMC, is finished. The credibility is finished. I can tell you it's just a mafia that the doctors have to be part of. They're not interested in the, in the GMC, at least the dozens and dozens that I speak to. And I get invited to meetings where there are 50, 60 medical professionals in at any one time, three times a week. Yeah. So, so yeah, do you know? Now we had um, a young boy in a couple of weeks ago, um, under 30. I'm not going to name him because it'd be disrespectful. And he'd uh, died suddenly, and he'd had a postmortem. And the postmortem process basically involves they cut the ab- uh, you cut the ab- the abdomen from just above the groin to below the neck. The organs are all taken out, and they're obviously cut out. And their way blocks and slides are taken, and then they go into a bag, and the bag is put back in the cavity. The cavity is sewn up. Now the family asks us to embalm the young man, and in order to do so, the embalming process usually consists of the following: I make an incision in the carotid artery, and I would connect. Uh, I would cut the artery halfway through, connect a pump here, and that would pump formaldehyde around the body. And I would hasten to add, I would strongly recommend it for anyone who's lost a loved one, who wants to see that loved one, you're going to see them at their best if they're embalmed. You know, so take my advice as an honest man. Well, this young man, we had to take, open his abdomen up, take the bag containing his, his for want of a better word giblets and stuff out and then target the individual arteries that have been severed during the embalming process with the pump to embalm him. because obviously when they take the organs out they sever all these arteries and veins you know so when we've gone to put the pump in there his arteries are all full of like a white calamari substance and some of these arteries are kind of 80 percent blocked absolutely blocked now some months ago a couple of months ago i seen an interview done by um, an American embalmer called Richard Hirschman um, who originates out of the U.S. in Alabama and he's collected hundreds and hundreds of samples he's a trade embalmer so he goes around all the funeral homes Um, I employ a full-time embalmer so I have no need of a trade embalmer but he's been finding these exact same samples and I kind of hold it up to the camera so this was what was inside the arteries of a 30-year-old man look at it uh, and it's it's, extraordinary and that's yeah we've
0: seen before john you've not seen anything i've never
1: i've never seen this ever in 15 years and i have been um present at many embalmings my embalmer has done 20 years he's bie registered and he's never seen anything like it um in his life and he's terrified about saying anything because the bie have already issued a warning in their bi-monthly magazine forbidding any embalmers with any concerns to speak out why would they do Why would that? Do Why? That. Yeah, surely you would encourage them. Do you know, as a decent human being in a funeral director, I can tell you it's my moral obligation and my lawful duty to raise concerns about any death that I have in my 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 care. Um, I've done that, and the coroner and they're not interested. None of them are interested. They're they're just, I mean, it was even suggested to me, um, I wrote an email to my coroner and said, look, this is what I've found. I've never seen this before, what is this? And I know what I've seen and what's causing it. You know, I wanted to see their reaction. They suggested to me that this might have grown inside this young man, post-mortem. Have you ever heard anything so ridiculous? I have to maintain a relationship with my coroner, so I have to swallow. But I want to go on record as having raised the alarm and having reported it to try and save the people that are going to be bullied, coerced and blackmailed into getting this crap inside their body or people that perhaps have had a placebo and are panicking and lining up for a monkeypox jab that will end up with this ground inside them. And this is why you're seeing young footballers fall over and die on the field on national TV in record numbers is this crap inside them and as soon as somebody acknowledges this and tackles it um the sooner we can bring those to account bring these people to account and get this stopped because it's wrong
0: what what was the cause of death to, uh, to, to uh, uh,
1: Unascertained. unacertained so i don't know then basically yeah no they don't know don't yeah know. they don't know they but, were but, awaiting histology you know so, so um they the person know doing it's the there
0: autopsy must see that as well john and just say well, well course, i've never seen anything like this either
1: well i i he it's not a con- conversation they would enter into you know they said we have yeah. all the samples we need and um, we're not concerned i spe- they spoke to the pathologist and this is not the girls in the office that are at fault it's the person whoever's making the decisions at a clinical level you know they're, they tell the girls what to reply with and what to respond with and they're they're not pushing it anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I want to hasten to add. The people that I've got uh, in my immediate coroner's office, I don't doubt they look at the numbers and the ages of people that are dying and know in their hearts something is wrong. They don't make the decisions. They don't um, decide what's put on the paperwork. And when I express concerns to the chief coroner of England, do you know what? I, I was ignored. I cc'd in about 40 people. I think you might have been one of them. Yeah, I remember, uh, yeah. And um, I got a reply about three weeks later after emailing again from a secretary. She wouldn't reply to everyone. Uh, and they said that we follow government policy. That kind of tells the story, don't it? You yeah. know, they're all, you they're all it. Up, uh, oh, they're on a good number. They'll be struck off. They'll be struck off. And I wonder um, if there's some sort of non-disclosure agreement and, and been signed and some of money been paid to these people before this madness unfolded so they kind of got a carrot dangled and it was a lovely carrot and they all went oh yeah we love some of that what what can go wrong and they signed it uh, and I suspect they probably have to pay it back they get sacked to deregistered and have no way of paying it back and that's why they've got these people by the bollocks um that's my theory I don't know it to be true but I can't imagine why these people would ignore it what else could it be you know um i i I can only guess you know no sum of money would ever make me complicit and i'll meet my mate i'll meet my maker with a a clear conscience mate
0: well that's the that's the point and i I think a a lot more people are are getting to a point now where you know it's 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 obvious what's happening you don't even need to be a funeral director or work in a hospital now people people's lived in experience life experience is actually you know it's gone from the middle of a deadly pandemic where everyone was going, but I don't know anyone. Do you know anyone? No, I don't know anyone either. To all of a sudden, I know someone we'll know who died someone. of the vaccine. Yeah. I know someone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so of course. Where, I mean, where does it end f- f- for Well, well I really, I, I,
1: I, I'm just going to keep looking after people until um, I suspect they start closing funeral directors down, you know, because we're all witness um, to what's going on. I've spoken to a growing number. I had an email today from a guy. Let me have a quick look uh what was his name toby his name was toby that's as much as i can say i'm email emailing from australia just want to reach out and say thank you for all your disclosure i'm a funeral director in sydney blah 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 i'm getting the same emails constantly because people are seeing me as someone to reach out to you know um yes. i'll be glad to give you his details to see if he wants to speak to you that'd be fun um,
0: yeah i'd love that yeah yeah
1: yeah he, he's, i can t- his email is a lovely email you know um and i feel desperately sorry for him you know and there's a, another one um paul from uh quebec He was forced to take the jab because they wouldn't let him into hospitals and care homes. And he lives on aspirin now because he's constantly got chest pains. I suspect because he's got this shit growing inside his body, Gareth, you know. Um,
0: But that's why people wanted to shut you up.
1: Yeah, of course they did.
0: You are are a a beacon to people. And, you know, I I, I, I can sit here and say stuff and people go, oh, yeah, maybe or maybe not. But what does he know? But you're sat there. You're you're literally at the coalface. You're on the front yeah. line, and you can't. Uh,
1: I was argue I about. was warm. I was told that I would be silenced. I was offered a large sum of money before that, and turned it down. Um, the other thing that we're seeing is worrying now is is babies, um, lots and lots of, of of dead babies. So the way that works is you've got two different channels, and this would be something, Gareth, for you to to consider focusing on now. If a baby is born prematurely and dies without having lived is called an nvf a non-viable fetus and that could be right up to eight months eight and a half months if a baby's born and it dies shortly after that uh, you know that's like a stillbirth you know or it's, it's considered to have lived so the two paperwork is, is very different and perhaps the numbers are not cut they're collated separately now a few months ago i listened to an interview by a guy called wesley He's a funeral director based somewhere down in London. And I spoke to this guy. I tracked him down and traced him. And I've spoke to him personally and verified who he is. He is a funeral director. And he, his testimony was true. Um, and he talked about um, an unnatural number of babies dying. Uh, and I kind of thought, well, as a funeral director, I don't charge anything to do any child um, funeral under 18 because I don't think it's morally right to profit from the death of a child. So I couldn't understand while I'm hearing about this massive increase in baby deaths, but I'm not actually getting the phone calls that I I would expect that correlate with that amount of deaths. Um, And then I've been going down to the local crematorium and I've been noticing baby names on the info board. Now there's an information board in the public waiting room. It's public information. And they put this um, information on the board to inform Um, mourners of whose funeral is what and where and who and what time. And it consists of the following. You've got the name of the deceased, the, the time the funeral is taking place and the arranging funeral director. And I'm seeing more and more babies on there and the arranging funeral director is always the local hospital. So they're dealing with the crematorium directly and they're shipping babies directly to the crematorium bypassing funeral directors. Now, I've never known babies in this number before that this happened. Um, we got speaking to one of the guys down there who works there, and he tells us um, they're shipping between six and eight babies in at a time. How true that is, I haven't seen six and eight coffers, I don't know, but that that's what we were told, and that would correlate perfectly with what Wesley said. Now, more interestingly, and to substantiate this further, there's a doctor, a very famous fertility doctor specialist in Australia called... Dr. Luke McLinden, uh, McLinden spelt M C L I N D O N, and he's very senior, top-level fertility specialist. He's been keeping records, and they've just sacked him for releasing these records. So basically, what he's saying is, is the the rate of of miscarriage in women is normally between five and fourteen percent, and it peaks occasionally at sixteen percent. He's found that the rate of miscarriage in vaccinated mothers is 74 percent jesus how
0: how, how do you like genuine question how do you stay sane you know um, you get this every day and and you know because you know i get sent emails and i see things not to anywhere near the level you do and i sometimes i'm just literally like i I could i could i could i could smash a wall down
1: i've got no choice i've got to do it because i've got to save as many people as i can save that's the bottom line. So I have to keep going. I have to keep going even till they nail me, and I will. And I don't care. There's nothing they could do that could frighten me.
0: got well, so much respect for you, John, mate? Honestly, well, do you know, so I spend a lot of time,
1: a lot of time in the company of death. It's a journey we're all going to make at some point. If my life could be of value where I'd saved other lives, I'd throw myself under the bus for anyone's kid.
0: Mate, you, 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 you will have already saved multiple lives, and will save more I'm going to. I'm going to. No doubt about uh, that.
1: I'm going to carry on doing so, mate, um, because it's your family and your family and your family and your family is every bit as important as mine to me. That's just the way I'm, I'm wired, you know, so I'm not going to sit back and think about um, the consequences to me when they're murdering kids.
0: No, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Thank you so much, John. Thank you so much for talking oh. to us. I know you're, you're you're so busy and also, you know, you're a man in demand because you've got all this knowledge and and it's it's great what you're doing mate really appreciate it
1: well it's no different to you mate without people like you um i I can't get it out there please give my regards to the old man as well and god bless you and your family mate of
0: course thanks mate thank you so much take care hello i'm jamie ike ceo and founder of iconic people regularly ask me why do we charge for our services well, the answer is simple. The ambition here is to build the biggest independent media platform in the world with the highest production standards. We have recently introduced a brand new 799 pricing plan to make Iconic affordable for all. For just a couple of cups of coffee a month, you can access the world's premier media source. Take out a seven day free trial today and come and see what Iconic has to offer.